The hosts of the Real Life Wellness Podcast are not licensed medical doctors, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy, nor is it intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any illness or condition. All content and information in this podcast is created for informational purposes only. Please seek medical attention for matters relating to your health and never disregard the advice of a medical professional or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary and Kesa, where we talk about different ways to integrate healthier habits into your life. I am Mary Preston, and with me, as always, is Kesa Amaro. Kesa, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get deeper into today's topic. Hi, friends. I am Kesa Amaro. I'm a certified integrative nutrition coach. And I work with mamas to help them stop dieting and start eating foods that work for them, as well as going beyond the nutrition to help them create a healthy relationship with food and themselves so that they have energy to keep up with their little ones. I see clients one-on-one to give individualized support to help them reach their health and weight loss goals. All right. Thanks, Kisa. And I'm Mary Preston, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of Colorado, and I'm also a life coach, and I've been focusing on helping mental health professionals get control of their emotional eating and over-drinking. I've got a six-session program on my website that helps you work on why your eating habits feel out of control, and I am in a seven-day challenge right now on the Facebook. We are working on no sugar, no flour this time around, but in a couple weeks, we're going to have a new challenge, so keep Keep an eye out for it. All right, Kesa, on to our topic of the day, which is a very, it's a very tricky topic. Basically, is eating animals sustainable and the environmental and ethical reasons to reduce or eliminate meat consumption or questioning whether or not we should reduce our meat consumption. Yeah. Kesa's going to give us some info. Yeah. So in my my opinion. Uh, The general public has, you know, somewhat distorted view of what the majority of farming is like these days. Uh, When we were young, you know, we played with toys and read books that displayed a farmer with a variety of happy animals. And even today, you know, kids like my daughter has like books, you know, we read books and there's the farmer with all the animals and plants, you know, they're happy. (laughs) They're playing with each other and interacting with each other. Um, they're all smiling. Um, and yeah, all the animals and plants work together to make the farm run and, um, they all have their job. And for a long time, this is my, what my idea of farming was like probably up to like maybe six, wait, 2018. Okay. Maybe like eight years ago. (laughs) Um, but you know, for like a, majority of my life I thought this is what farming was like Um, however that's not the case for most farms I'm not saying all farms but most farms Um, so a lot of farms um, have concentrated animals so they have like a ton of animals in um, buildings and sometimes they're windowless buildings um, or in confined areas. Um, and there's usually... Like a variety of animals. 
Yeah, and it's usually just one. So like all the cows are in this building and or in this lot. Um, and then the chickens are grown and raised, you know, in a different area, um, like a different plot of land, a different company, different from where all the cows are. Same with right. like the pigs are all in a separate area. And even with um, like agriculture, as far as, you know, crops, same things happening where we have like this monocrop, monocrops of like soy and wheat, um, cottonseed, all of that. And so I think, you know, a lot of people are not aware that this is even happening. And what we wanted to do today is kind of bring about this awareness and what's going on and kind of the other side of that, um, as far as, you know, like organic farms and like they, they are out there and the importance of them um, and how they, you know, kind of different differ from uh, our, the feedlot or the CAFO farms. All right. You know, what is the, what's the, what's a CAFO farm? Okay. Because I know that that's, that's something that um, possibly a lot of people listening don't, don't understand or know what that stands for. Yeah. So CAFO, it's an acronym, C-A-F-O, confined, sorry, concentrated animal feeding operation. Um, so animals are confined for at least 45 days in a 12 month period. And this includes uh, like feedlots and windowless buildings where animals are maybe confined in stalls or cages or pens. And so they're like they're inside or confined to a certain area for um, for 45 days in a 12 month period. And then also the crops um, or forage growth or other vegetation are not grown in the area where the animals are confined. So there's no, um, so if you think of like a cow, like roaming and eating grass, like that doesn't happen in a CAFO. Okay. There's like the animals kept in one spot, eats the same thing. They're all kind of still in one area, um, all by themselves. Yeah. So they're, they're fed food. That's not like growing on the ground right there. If that makes sense. <laughs> so like their food is grown in a crop somewhere else that's uh, harvested. So like corn or soy or some type of grain mixture and it's brought to the animal and they probably feed, eat out of it like a trough or something. Um, Got it. Yeah. Good definition. Yeah. Um, and then there's also different categories depending on how many animals there are in the, like they have like small, medium and large CAFOs. Um, and, uh, you know, just a few things as far as the CAFOs go. I mean, obviously it's, I mean, who would want to live in a crowded building with limited access to the outdoors? I mean, just as a, as a human, we need to be outside, right? We need sun. Um, and same goes with all animals, you know, we need access to sun and the outdoors, fresh air. Um, so also like the quality of the urine and manure of these animals is poorer than that of grass fed and the manure, like they're, when you're concentrated in an area, you're just kind of pooping and peeing where you are versus if you were in a, um, a field, you know, if you're a cow and you're in a field, you know, you poop and then you have like all this area where you could, 
go and there's no poop. And then that poop, that poop, the cow poop, like helps um, fertilize the grass that it's pooped on. Um, so it, it has, you know, it has its purpose and it's part of like the, the life cycle or the environment and ecosystem. Um, right. So when, uh, when, you know, in a CAFO, the animals are kind of just like, I don't want to say standing in their own poop, but that's pretty much what they're, what they're doing. There's what's happening. happening. They're standing in their own poop. And so a lot of things can happen, um, as far as, uh, diseases. Um, there's been a lot of, uh, diseases that have come about because of CAFO. So like E. coli. So the grain based diets changes the acidity of the cow's stomachs and has allowed for stronger strains of E. coli to kind of breed and exist. And then we go and eat that meat, and if it has the E. coli um, in it, then our stomach, it's basically uh, the E. coli is resistant to the acid in our stomach, which when we eat things and like we have like high acidity in our stomach to kill bacteria that's harmful. Um, and so it doesn't get killed and then it goes into our system and then we become sick. And then other things too, like mad cow disease. Um, but that was from basically feed that was made of cow. (laughs) So there were cows were eating cows and they figured out that, Oh, this is not, Can, cannibalism is not um, very safe or healthy or, yeah. So I think they've kind of figured that out and stopped that. Um, uh, yeah. So and so you might hear some other terms for CAFO. So industrial farms, conventional farms, feedlots, hog hotels, animal factory, poop factory, and mega farm. So those kind of can all be, there may be like slang terms for CAFO. Um, yeah, and there's also other pollutants um, that are kind of byproducts of CAFO farms, which, you know, include the sewage, uh, just because it's there's such a huge amount of, uh, like, sewage in this concentrated area. Um, and then the... Basically, the poop in is um, cleaned away with water, and so and then this water isn't necessarily treated, and it can get into um, and it might have other chemicals um, and heavy metals and hormones um, that contaminate this water, and it's stored. It's usually stored up to six months, and then. They spread it on crops, so they're spraying it onto crops, uh, which then a lot, of t- a lot of times they overspray, and then it can seep into the groundwater, and that's when um, you know it can start affecting uh, populations. And then also there's the you know environmentally the truck transport of the wastewater to crop fields, so they have to transport this water somehow, and that's you know takes semi-trucks. So there's that environmental impact as well. Um, and then also, you know, if, when you take a one species and grow it in a, in a space, it's just creates an imbalance in the environment. 
And when you have imbalances, that's when uh, things go awry. Um, and there's often infestations of rodents and flies. And then those can extend into kind of like the neighboring areas. So if you live by a CAFO farm, you might experience um, infestations of these animals or insects, bugs. Um, and then also CAFOs are uh, subsidized by the government. And they truthfully couldn't survive without government subsidies. Um, and it makes it difficult for non-subsidized farms to produce and compete with CAFO farms. Right. So that's, yeah, go ahead, Mary. Yeah. So it, it sounds like, you know, there's, there's a lot of issues that come with, I always say CAFO, so it's CAFO or CAFO. Okay. Um, a lot of issues that come with, with those farms. And when, you know, when we're talking about sh should we or should we not eat animals and vegetarians, you know, often say a lot of these problems, which are so valid, mm -hmm. right? Like the way we're treating animals, um, the imbalance of the environment, our use of water, the waste products that they make, um, you know, just all of the problems that come with these kinds of farms, you know, the diseases, the the hormones that they store in their fat because they're, you know, that's where hormones are stored, stored. being fed all those hormones. So, like, all of these problems really do exist mm -hmm. in this specific type of farm. And so, you know, when we're looking at whether or not you know, eating animal products is a good idea. You know, one of the things that we're going to talk about in a minute, he says, go into, right? Like we don't, we don't disagree that there's a lot of animals being treated poorly. <laughs> right. There's a lot of problems with most of our meat production. Um, the way that we grow crops is not sustainable in these kinds of farms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that being said, Kisa, talk to us about like grass fed. Okay. Okay. Versus CAFO or CAFO or however it's yeah. actually pronounced. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, grass-fed beef, um, they are <clears throat> fed grass, which is their natural uh, diet. And that's one thing is that, you know, grains and, like, grain, soy, corn, those are not a cow's natural diet. And how I mentioned earlier, it changed um, the acidity of their stomach. And created these, you know, this E. coli that's resistant mm -hmm. to acid. acid. Um, however, like their natural diet is grass. And they were made to eat and digest grass. And they're roaming animals. They're grazers. So they just kind of like graze on grass all day. Um, so when... A, when an animal is, or sorry, I shouldn't say an animal, a cow is grass-fed, um, they um, tend to have a lower fat uh, quantity in their body, so they're not a, they're not as fatty. So that's another reason why you know cows are fed uh, soy and grain and corn is that it fattens them up. And right. gets them, you know, basically you yield a bigger cow. Um, so you're getting more money for that one cow. Um, where grass, they tend to be leaner. And so when you're eating a grass-fed, uh, a cow that's been grass-fed, you're essentially consuming less calories. Um, um, but 
it's, it's hard to say. Like, there's a lot of different kind of levels of a grass-fed. So there's, like, grass-fed uh, cows. But then they get, like, at the very end, they feed them grains just to kind of fatten mm -hmm. them up. Um, and then there's, like, the grass-finished, which means that they're just feed, eating grass their whole life. Like, they've started eating grass, and then they end their life, you know, while eating grass. Um, however, you know, either way, grass-fed beef uh, tend to have, I don't want to say happier lives, but just kind of more of this uh, normal um, like their natural habitat, like they're out in fields eating grass versus being confined into, um, buildings. Okay. So grass fed, it's eating its, it's natural, you know, what it would eat in the wild, mm -hmm. what it was born to eat, which mm -hmm. is grass. And so, um, it's a little, it's less fattier and less chance of disease, it sounds like, because it was the, the grains that were kind of creating this equalized situation. Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, when you kind of <laughs> take an ecosystem and disrupt it, there's going to be, you know, bad things that happen. And mm -hmm. you take this cow and feed it something that it's not supposed to be eating, it disrupts the... Um, the kind of their digestive system and therefore you're getting these um, diseases that were used to not be um, around. Right. So, so grass fed is just kind of, it's, it's more raised in its natural habitat. And, you know, that being said, there's a lot of labels that, you know, you need to be watching out for, but grass fed in general eats grass. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think pasture raised is more actually raised in a pasture for most of its life. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's the thing is so hard because it's, there's not like this, I guess, regulated right. system where, okay, um, like what does grass fed mean really? Mm -hmm. You know, so first it was grass fed and then it's like, oh, now it's grass finished because mm -hmm. they were, yeah, fed grass for a majority of their life. But then they finish them with, you know, soy or grains or corn to fatten them up. Um, and so now it's, you know, grass finished and then, yeah, pasture raised. You know, so what do all these mean? Should we be looking for them? Um, and I think, you know, as far as if you're buying from a local farm and you can talk to that farmer, if you're like at a, you know, um, a farmer's market and you can talk to them and you can ask them questions about how are their animals raised? Um, you know, do they have access to the outdoors? Um, are they fed grass? Um, you know, you can ask them all these questions and you can find out for yourself too. And in most, in most stores, you know, Sprouts, I know Whole Foods, um, even like Price Chopper, Safeway, generally you can find out where it's coming from mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could ask ask them too. Yeah, a little harder than going straight to the farmer, but um, yeah, but you can always find out what yeah. is really going on. Yeah, and we um, here in Guam, we don't have any of those things um, mm -hmm. that you just mentioned. So it's it's a real struggle. I'm not gonna lie. It was you know kind of a letdown when I first moved here, but I found some things. You know, I found some organic. Um, 
ground beef and ground turkey from this one company. And so I was curious. I'm just like, well, what does that mean organic? Like, Mm-hmm. And so they like on their packaging, they have a website. And so I could go onto their website. Um, I could, you know, they have a ton of information about how the animals were raised and what they're fed. Um, and, you know, I could, you know, ask questions if I wanted to, I could email them and stuff. So there are, there are ways to find out, um, you know, about the food and about the food you're eating. Um, it just may take a little bit of effort, which, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, you know, it's, it's worth it to me. Um, right. Well, I think the, you know, the biggest, the biggest takeaway I think so far is that there is a difference, right? So there's not just meat versus not meat. There's cattle meat versus grass fed meat also. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Qualities of yeah. meat that you can be eating nutritionally and, um, you know, the way the animals are raised. Yeah. And it just, you know, environmentally and ethically, they're completely Mm -hmm. different. And I think that's where, um, you know, a lot of people that go, uh, maybe vegetarian or vegan, or just, Mm -hmm. you know, some people are under the assumption that like CAFO meat, like that's the only way that cows are raised. Um, when it's not, you know, it's not true at all. And, you know, I really look to support, ethical, um, raising of animals. So if I can support a farmer who is, um, raising a cow that, you know, is pasture raised and has, you know, eating is eating grass, you know, their natural diet, then I'm going to do that. Um, you know, yeah. So there's this huge difference in just the realm of meat, you know, like you have like this big umbrella of meat. There's different, there's different, um, I don't want to say kinds, but there's different ways of raising and treating and, you know, slaughtering of animals mm-hmm. um, within the realm of meat. Right. And I think, you know, if somebody wants kind of an easy way to to look at that, I think Whole Foods does a pretty good job of, mm-hmm. they have like, a level system. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Whole Foods is not perfect, but they do a pretty good job if you go on their website of looking at what their levels are of, you know, uh, the quality of their meat. I know there's like level one is more of the CAFO type of conventionally raised meat. And then they go all the way up to level five plus, which is like almost, you know, like was in the wild and I captured it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Level five is as much as possible natural on a farm and like level five plus is, you know, like in its natural habitat almost. And so it's kind of a neat way to, to look at meat in general. They have it for all different kinds of meat. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's a place you can go if you're interested in the different, like different levels. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah, great. If you have access to, you know, a whole foods or of the like, you know, store of the like, then yeah, definitely take advantage and, you know, go to their website and look and see mm-hmm. what they offer. Yeah. And even if you don't have a Whole Foods, you know, using their level system to to help inform your decisions is also, it's a good start. Yeah, it is, definitely. Um, and, you know, we touched on kind of like the uh, quality of life and like what the animals are fed. But as far as like a nutrition standpoint of the meat, um, there's not like this huge difference in quality of, of like 
quality of meat as far as like, you know, vitamins and minerals, but there's a few things that differ from a CAFO or feedlot meat versus a grass fed meat. Um, and the first one is the, um, omega-3 content. So in a, uh, feedlot, um, or CAFO, um, cow, um, the omega-3 content is really low. And so all, all, um, cows are going to have omega-6 and you do need some omega-6, but too much causes inflammation in the body. Mm-hmm. And especially with your ratio to omega-3. So you need those omega-3s to kind of like uh, level out the omega-6. And so the the CAFO beef has lower levels of omega-3. So that's kind of giving you like sending your ratio off a little bit of omega-6 to omega-3. And then grass-fed beef has a higher level, level of omega-3. So it kind of evens out that um, that balance or that ratio. Yeah. So the omega three is lacking in the CAFO where it is, you know, nice and healthy levels in the grass fed and you want omega three. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people understand the, the benefits and the need for omega three fatty acids. Um, and then also, um, a couple of vitamins, um, vitamin A and E, um, are very low in CAFO beef. Um, however, they're very high in grass-fed beef. So those are a couple of vitamins too, where um, they tend to be more, you know, more superior in that grass-fed beef. Mm-hmm. And just in general, there, you know, the CAFO is just a little bit lower in vitamins and minerals. However. It's, it's not like this huge, huge amount that you need to be concerned except for like the A and E and the omega threes. Okay. So. And then I know that last, um, on our last podcast, you had touched on, you know, if you're eating more conventionally raised beef, then wanting to like cut the fat out, mm-hmm. that's where the hormones are really stored. And so if you're eating conventionally raised beef, you're kind of missing out on I don't know, it might sound funny, right? But I really, you know, the fatty part of the beef is, you know, really nutritional part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, correct. Um, you want to, if you're eating uh, a conventionally raised beef, then yeah, you want to cut off the fat. Um, but whereas a grain, grain fed, sorry, grass fed cow, um, you can, you know, help yourself to that fat because it is a healthy fat. And it doesn't have any of the hormones or antibiotics that kind of concentrate in the fat of animals right. and, and us too. That's where mm-hmm. it all goes. Um, so yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Mary. That's really, really important. You know, if, you know, if you do choose to eat um, conventionally raised meat, just be aware of that, you know, choose the leaner cuts or cut the, you know, big fatty parts off before you cook it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, does that kind of cover the, the conventionally raised cows, the CAFO versus the grass fed, sir? Yeah, I think so, especially, uh, nutritionally and, um, and you know, I, I don't, we didn't really talk about other animals, but there's this yeah. type of comparison, yeah. you know, when you, 
um, you know, there's the labels and the different types of ways that we can raise chickens. Mm-hmm. Pasture raised chickens, pasture raised chicken eggs mm-hmm. uh, versus conventionally raised chickens and chicken eggs. And, yeah. Um, the same with pork, you know, so with all of the different animals, that's, it's, you know, basically the same. There's a higher quality of the meat in a different, different ways. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, we just kind of concentrated on cows and beef. Um, but yeah, it goes for every other animal. Um, I mean, chickens, turkeys, um, pigs. Um, yeah, there's different levels of um, farming and, you know, there's organic, you know, ethical farms. And then there's the, the CAFO. Uh, the CAFO is for any kind of animal. That's right. fine. And they come with the same, you know, like uh, conventional chicken, whatever they are, like barn, basically, the places they keep those like, yeah. chickens on those. You know, that's where you see the videos where they're all confined to like one one room and, yeah. you know, over, overpopulated. And they have the same type of environmental problems with, you know, the urination and, you know, just feces everywhere and chickens peck each other. So conventional mm-hmm. in general just has issues and there's a lot of places to research that for sure yeah definitely yeah we'll put some resources at the end yeah Yeah. um so mary we kind of talked about animals and i think another part you know like if you're if you're thinking of reducing your meat consumption Mm -hmm. um or eliminating it uh, you know like what are you going to add in and a lot of times you know vegetarians or vegans they eat a lot of obviously plant-based foods Mm -hmm. Um, and so I wanted to talk about two, uh, GMOs and, you know, like what are they and are they safe to eat? And even though GMOs can be animals can be genetically modified, um, a lot of plants are genetically modified as well. Um, so genetically GMOs are genetically modified organisms And according to the non-GMO project, this is how they define a GMO. Um, So GMOs are living organisms whose genetic material has been artificially manipulated in a laboratory through genetic engineering. So this creates uh, combinations of plant, animal, bacteria, and virus genes that do not occur in nature or through traditional crossbreeding methods. So they've basically been genetically, they've been modified at like the genetic or cellular level. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions about genetic uh, GMOs. Um, It's a very controversial topic for many reasons. So, you know, like, are they safe to consume? Uh, what do they do to the soil? What do they do to the environment? Um, so I kind of wanted to cover a little bit about that. Um, and there's a growing there's growing evidence that connects GMOs with health problems, environmental damage, and violation of farmers and consumer rights. Um, so there's no as of now there's no credible long-term studies on GMOs and therefore the safety of GMOs is unknown. So we really don't know, like, are these safe for us to eat? Like when you take uh, an organism and you kind of, um, you change it and modify it, is it safe for us to consume and eat? Right. 
And the reason why they're doing this, you know, like, okay, well, why are they modifying organisms? Why are they modifying, you know, corn and soy? Um, and it's basically to, um, basically so they can resist herbicides, um, or to produce an insecticide. Um, so if you've heard of like Roundup, there's this soybean that's Roundup ready. So you can basically grow this soybean and then you can spray Roundup on it. And then the soybeans are fine and resistant to it. Um, right, it will kill absolutely everything else. <laughs> yeah, it'll kill everything else. So there'll be nothing else living. Um, but the soybeans will survive and be fine. So a lot of GMOs, you know, have um, like herbicides and insecticides sprayed on them, directly on them. So when you're consuming a genetically modified organism, you're most likely consuming, you know, herbicides and insecticides. And how, you know, how good is that for your body? Those chemicals, you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So there's no, you know, being gem genetically modified in and of itself is not like an evil. Right, right. Like we, like... Farmers have been messing with the way we grow plants. And, like, we've been kind of tinkering with plants for a really long time. We don't know with some of these, you know, because they are specifically being modified to resist these herbicides and insecticides. It's really yeah. that's the risk is that because of that, we know that the insecticides and herbicides they're spraying on them are very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They can spray it directly on the plant, and it will kill everything um, except the, you know, the plant that they have modified to resist it. And so mm -hmm. that's why, you know, chances are you're going to be eating something else that's not good for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and GMOs are not required to be labeled in the United States or mm -hmm. Canada. Um, so this is how the non-GMO project kind of came about was because um, – their GMOs are not required to be labeled. So we're like, okay, well, how do we get the public to know about this? How do we get the consumer to know that um, they're GMO? So they kind of did this opposite and um, products that do not have GMOs or not made of GMO products have a label or can put a label on it that says non-GMO project. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I look for that when I'm, you know, buying things. So, like, tomato paste. Like, I buy the kind that has the non-GMO project label on it. Um, because tomatoes can be genetically modified. Um, and, so, you know, same with corn. So, there's, I guess, like, the, the biggest high-risk um, foods or would be soy, corn, cotton, canola, papaya, sugar beet, animal products, Yellow zucchini, which I was baffled by that, um, and alpha alpha. And then another little like caveat, I guess, um, is that there are some reasons why uh, GMOs can be helpful in the sense that, um, like the papaya, for instance, in Hawaii, I know that there was, I don't know if it was a bug that was getting into the papaya, but it was basically like, killing all the papaya in mm -hmm. Hawaii. And so they genetically modified it so it could resist this bug. So now we have papaya and it's delicious and beautiful. Um, 
because it's able to resist this bug that infested right. all the papaya. Um, right. Right. And so that like, you know, like we said before, it's not like GMO. Cause I think it's, it's one of those words that we're like, mm-hmm. Oh, GMOs stay away. Right. It's not necessarily because it's genetically modified. It's because of what comes with it very often. Right. And that's the herbicides and pesticides right. or insecticides. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just, uh, you know, some information as far as, um, if you are wanting to consume more, uh, plants, mm-hmm. uh, just to be aware, you know, like, especially like the soy and soy is a big one because a lot of people, you know, if they're, if they're not eating meat, they might turn to like tofu and soy, soy based products. Right. So that's something really important to look for non GMO. <clears throat> so, and then I also wanted to touch on monocropping which is, I mean, kind of similar to CAFO in the sense that you have taken one thing and you've kind of concentrated it. Um, and monocropping is when you have basically one plant growing in a field. So like when you see acres and acres of corn, that's monocropping or acres and acres of soybeans, that's monocropping. Mm -hmm. Um, and this, you know, disrupts the natural environment and ecosystem. And just like the, you know, like the cows or the chickens, when you take one plant or animal and grow it without anything else in there, um, it throws off the ecosystem and uh, throws it off balance and, you know, can cause bug infestations, insects uh, to populate out of proportion. And then this is when you need to spray pesticides on plants or insecticides and herbicides on plants. Um and then it also causes demineralize, sorry, demineralization of soil. Um, and then, so that's like depleted nutrients in the soil. And, you know, when you, when you grow crops, you always want to start with the soil. Like the soil is the most important thing because that's giving food to the plant. And, um, when you have less minerals in, the soil, then your food has less, less minerals in it. So it's not as, I don't want to say potent. That's not the right nutrient dense. There you go. They're, they're not as nutrient dense as, um, say an organically raised crop. Right. So that plants are made of what they eat from the soil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, those are things to be, um, mindful about too when just buying um produce for anyone it doesn't matter if you're vegan vegetarian paleo omnivore carnivore right. well i guess maybe car- carnivores wouldn't eat plants i don't know they just eat meat so they wouldn't have to worry about that um so yeah and then you know just also in any you know farming large farming um, operations. There are animals that are killed in the um, harvesting mm-hmm. of, you know, you have like these big combines that come up and harvest the wheat or the soy um, or the corn. And there's animals living in those crops that might be like bunnies or rats or mice um, mm-hmm. and bugs. And so, you know, thinking about that too, when you have like these large farming operations um, there are animals that are, you know, being killed and mm-hmm. without, you know, kind of 
I don't want to say in vain, but they're not being eaten. They're just being killed and then left there. Right. So. And then there's the other factor of herbicides and insecticides killing off our bee population, which is a whole. Oh, yeah. That's a whole nother podcast because we need the bees for absolutely everything. Yeah. And uh, their numbers are reducing. So yeah. Another reason to kind of think about the where where your food is coming from. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, Mary, I know that you are very passionate about this topic and just kind of the whole ethical omnivore. And so I was, you know, wondering if you could share with our listeners kind of your, I kind of shared like the facts and, you know, about um, eating meat. But I know, Mary, you kind of have like the more like your personal experience. Um, I was wondering if you could share that with our listeners. Yeah, and you know, we started talking about this uh, last podcast, you know, talking mm-hmm. about, you know, why why eat meat, right? That's kind of the question, like, why should we eat meat? Because I love animals, you know, I love, I love meat, but I really love animals, you know, they are creatures, and when you look into, like, a cow's eyes, you look into a dog's eyes, you look into any animal's eyes, you know, there's, like, this soul there, mm-hmm. and, you know, so... I don't take the decision to eat meat lightly. Um, So for this podcast, you know, just doing the research is asking myself a ton of questions. Um, And it kind of, I figured out that I kind of have like two goals with my health, right? Like one, I care about humans and the entire planet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my first goal, right, I want humans to be healthy and have bodies that function in a really healthy way. Course, you know, I care about us humans, but then as part of that, I, I want us to move from destroying the planet for our own benefit, you know, like monocultures and CAFO farms, um, you know, burning down forests in other countries to grow coconut crops. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I want. I want to be able to eat healthy, and at the same time, I don't want to destroy the planet doing so. You know, I don't want to eat animals selfishly if I don't have to you know, if that's not helpful for the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my own life, you know, I was kind of lucky. My my mom really cared about the planet. She was a hippie. She grew, uh, my mom and dad moved to a, a commune for a little while, and they, like, grew vegetables and were vegetarian for a little while. Um, and she is, so she's always cared about where we get our food. And she had a garden when I grew up. She always loved the garden, and... So we always had it every meal. We had a lot of vegetables and we always had a portion of meat. Um, but usually it was like just really inexpensive meat because there were six of us kids and uh, that's, that's a lot of children. <laughs> a, lot to feed. Of, a lot of mouths to feed. <laughs> a lot of mouths to feed for not a lot of money because my mom was a stay at home mom always when we were in school. So, you know, usually that's what we had. We had vegetables from our garden, and then we had some kind of meat from the store. Um, I never knew where it was coming from. And then some kind of, like, side dish, you know, potatoes, standard American diet in that way, like a meat, a meat, a pasta, and a vegetable. Um, and But I was kind of lucky because we did have such fresh food most of the time. And I figured out that... Um, I was able to tell that my stomach felt a lot better. I felt a lot better when I had meat and vegetables versus like grains and dairy. Mm-hmm. So I kind of learned that from a young age. Um, I, I knew that when I had pasta or bread, I'd get kind of like bloated. 
um, and I eat way more than I needed. So I kind of like I had that information along like when I was much younger. And then, of course, you know, fast forward through college and I teeter tottered between existing on a mix of like beer and pizza bites. <laughs> and then I want to like, quote unquote, eat healthy and I'd eat like shredded chicken on iceberg lettuce with some. I kind of remember I had this meal all the time. Uh, iceberg lettuce, shredded chicken, and then like a little bit of that cheese that's shredded in the bag. Mm-hmm. And that was oh, like, yeah. my whole meal. So I'd like gain weight and lose weight and probably another five to six years of yo-yo dieting in Hawaii. Um, and then, you know, I discovered CrossFit and Paleo, which was amazing. So good for me. Yeah. But when I first started <laughs> Paleo, you know, I was on the meat train. Can you said, do you remember this? Like in the very beginning. Yes. You're like, I can eat as much of the good foods as I want. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the big, it's like a big selling point of Paleo, right? Like you get to eat a lot of food. Mm-hmm. As long as it's in these certain categories, right, right. Um, yeah. And so it was. It was really nice to know that I could eat in a way that my body seemed to thrive. You know, meat and vegetables always been really good for me. Um, I felt a big difference from eating lots of food that was like easily digestible. Like I was strong. I wasn't starving myself on low calorie and low fats. Um, and so I was really able to see that me personally, my body does really well on mostly meats and vegetables. And so I eat, I ate lots and lots of meat and I jumped on the bacon craze, which a lot of people are still in right now. Yeah. The memes of why bacon is so amazing. <laughs> and it's in every recipe and it's wrapped around every vegetable and it lines every quiche, um, you know, bacon on everything. Right. Um, I also like, I, you know, sang the praises of beef and shared lots of paleo recipes, um, you know, participated in a lot of like bacon loving, meat loving, carb hating conversations. And I really scoffed at the idea of being vegetarian or a vegan in the very mm-hmm. beginning, mm-hmm. like just laughing like that is ridiculous, ridiculous to be a vegetarian or a vegan when it's obviously so healthy to eat meat. Right. Um, and like, I was, I was steadfast that I was right, which for me, I for sure was right. Like when I eat meat, I know that I'm healthy. Yeah. Um, but of course, right, you, you can't unknow things and Facebook makes it easy to share information and like watching videos of uh, KFO farms, conventionally raised uh, meat, it's heartbreaking. And I used to avoid those things, right? Like, especially when I was at first paleo, I'd like scroll past them. Like, no, don't, don't look at it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I just didn't want to know, um, you know, the way my meat was being raised and how it was living before it came to my table. But, you know, eventually it's in your head and you can't really get rid of it. And, you know, and so you can kind of see why people might want to go vegetarian or vegan. Um, And, you know, so looking around, last time we were talking about, like, should I try vegetarian? You know, a lot of the reasons that people go vegetarian, um, you know, these are usually the reasons listed, um, like ward off disease, lose weight, um, have more compassion for animals, live longer, um, avoid food contaminants, reduce global warming, um, have more energy, increase fiber, right? Going from looking at those animals raised in conventionally raised farms, um, for sure 
going vegan or vegetarian from there is a better option. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like, so I could totally get it. You know, you see those videos of animals being raised that way and you're like, definitely going vegetarian is a good way. Mm-hmm. But for me, I was like, but I know that meat keeps me healthy. So how the hell am I supposed to do that? Right. Like, how do you keep care, take care of the animals um, when you have to eat meat? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started to do more research and I found people like Rob Wolf. Chris Kesser, Mark Sisson, these are all like paleo leaders that, um, you know, in the beginning I was Googling like, is sesame seeds paleo? Is paleo? Right? Like a thousand questions. Like, right. Is that paleo? Is that paleo? Can I eat this? Because paleo is, you know, in the beginning it's all about the rules. Right. You can and can't eat. Um, but, you know, it started to introduce me to looking at your food, thinking about your food in a more intentional way. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of introduced me to more of like a paleo lifestyle and template of living rather than just demonizing food groups. Because in the beginning, that's really paleo was like no dairy, no sugar, you know, no nuts no or no beans, you know, no legumes, none of these things. And it's kind of very rule specific. Mm-hmm. That's fine in the beginning because it helps you stay away from those things. But really for a long term health, I think more of the lifestyle is is uh, more sustainable mm-hmm. and they also led me to people like Joel Slayton, Diana Rogers, uh, Michael Pollan is also another really, uh, he's a big leader, right? They're all, they're experts on sustainable farming and living, which I was fascinated by. Oh yeah. Like there's this whole group of people who are not conventional farmers um, you know, so I started learning about like types of meat, where it comes from, um, grass fed versus grain fed, uh, the quality of the soil our vegetables are grown in, why we need animals for the farming cycle, uh, what capital meat is, um, like how to vote with your dollars, you know, where you spend your money is where you're basically telling people you want more of that. Um, how much meat is actually necessary for you and what meat does to your body. And then there's also, you know, the highly, uh, you know, people don't agree on it, but the history of meat-eating amongst humans, you know, just from a, a historical standpoint is interesting to look at. Mm-hmm. And so I found the ethical omnivore, omnivore movement. So ethical omnivores. Uh, it's kind of the alternative to going vegetarian or vegan for, um, you know, to like help the planet, basically. And... It's a human diet involving, this is the, the definition that I found, which I thought really captured it the best. Um, it's a human diet involving the consumption of meat, eggs, dairy, and produce that can be traced back to a farm that raises grass-fed, free-range, antibiotic and hormone-free livestock, uses GMO-free feed, grows pesticide-free produce and greens, Ocean fish consumption is limited to sustainably farm-raised and or ethically and wild-caught without contributing to illegal poaching. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a higher standard. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that that um, definition includes um, produce and greens and Mm -hmm. how they are um, produced and farmed as well, not just necessarily the the meat side Um, Mm because I know that's very important I think sometimes we forget about how is our produce um, created right and farmed and 
produce. Yeah, we're not looking at that. We're thinking we're saving the environment, we're saving the planet, we're saving the animals when really we're kind of contributing to the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we're not looking at where our, you know, especially soy and corn, like where some of those crops are being raised and what it does to, to the planet. Wow. Yeah. It's a great definition. So, yeah. So there's, you know, there's a middle ground, which I thought was, um, was really fantastic. Um, because there, there always seems to be like a really black and white debate about whether you should eat meat or not. Um, and I don't think that's really the question at all. Like whether or not we should eat meat, I, I kind of think it misses the point entirely because it misses taking a look at what the rest of your diet includes. So often when someone makes the decision to go vegetarian or vegan for health reasons, when they initially make that decision, they're currently also eating a lot of processed foods, sugary foods, fast food, right? They don't have a generally healthy diet in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, regardless of meat consumption, eating quality food, less processed food, less sugary foods, increasing your vegetable intake, that's a really good idea. Right, right, yeah. Whether yeah. you're eating meat or not, you can do those things and mm-hmm. it's really going to improve, you know, your health. So if you're eating a variety of plant-based whole foods without meat, right? Last time we talked about you can meet all of your nutritional needs. You just probably need to add in a protein supplement of some kind, keep an eye on your nutrients, um, especially the ones not bioavailable in plants. And if you are eating a variety of plant-based whole foods with meat, you'll get all of your nutrients with just less difficulty and complication. Mm-hmm. So... The vegetarian versus omnivore debate really misses some points. Um, it's also not the only way to save the animals. I think that's like that is at the heart of a lot of vegetarian versus eating meat, you know, um, arguments. It's like, well, what about the animals? And absolutely, you know, like I care about the animals. I think it's horrible the way they're treated in many farms. Mm-hmm. So going vegetarian is one way of boycotting the industry. Totally, it's a great way. You know, if you're going vegetarian or vegan, you are voting with your dollars, right? You are not spending money on conventionally raised meat. And that is, you know, a, a check in the right direction. You're, you're doing good things. You're being conscious of the planet. Um, but also spending your money in places where animals are treated ethically and sustainably, it's another way to show that you care about the planet, right? You are giving money to the people who are doing it in a way that is, you know, quote unquote good. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's, you know, any one, one best way. Yeah. Um, I think you bring up an awesome point right there, Mary. Like just the fact that I think it's not, it's not black and white, you know, mm-hmm. vegetarian and uh, going vegetarian or vegan is not the only way we can, you know, um, I don't say save the planet, but <laughs> save save the animals. Yeah. We should call it save the planet because yeah, yeah. But it's more about you know how can we how can we um, buy you know produce and meat that um, are ethically raised and sustainably raised and you know are sustainable it's a sustainable mm-hmm. practice so yeah yeah and money speaks yeah oh it does it does 
Like if you watch where Walmart and McDonald's are with the the food that they are currently offering, you know, like obvious, like I don't shop at Walmart as my first choice, but you can see that Walmart is now offering organic foods and they're trying to offer, you know, cage-free eggs. They're trying to raise their standards because people are spending their money on, um, you know, higher, higher quality food. Mm-hmm. And so spending your money in a place where you think it's being done right, you know, on higher quality foods basically tells the big organizations, this is, this is what we want. Yeah, this is what we want. And I mean, there, like you said, Walmart is, you know, offering these, um, these options Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're, they're a big enough company and they're smart that they're like, yeah, let's start offering them and we'll get, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe even a bigger, wider range of customers. Mm -hmm. Right. Which tells us that Walmart's been hit by people not buying photos because it's conventionally. Exactly. So the money is speaking to the yeah. corporation. And yeah. so they're, you know, they get it very slowly. You know, McDonald's is now, I think it's offering, what's the latest one? Natural beef, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. But yeah, they're, <laughs> they're trying. They're trying. Right? Like they're, they're way behind everybody else. But even McDonald's has to try to step up its game because people are going more, you know, they're going healthier. With mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, when I started uh, researching these things, I made a commitment to eating more sustainably, like as sustainable and ethically grown meat as possible, because I want to cover those two goals, right? I want to be healthy as I can for myself, and I really want, but like, it does sound so corny, right? But like, how, how do, what is my part in making the planet a better place and helping with the well-being of the plants, animals, and the ecosystem? And uh, it's obviously not easy. Because conventionally grown meat is so much easier to find. It's everywhere. Uh, And it's so much less expensive. Like when you look in the grocery store and you compare the prices of the two, it just like, it seems like a much less expensive option to go with conventionally grown. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of just decided that I'd go slowly and over time increase the quality of my food because I was already living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, anybody who's listening is either in the spot where they're like thinking about eating higher quality meat or getting rid of it totally. Um, Or, you know, they're already eating at Whole Foods or something, right? Like when you think about going from shopping at like Safeway or Price Chop or whatever, like your, your regular grocery store is, and then going to Whole Foods for like a step five plus grass-fed, you know, nature, nature found, hunted for just for you beef, Right. That's a big. That's a big price jump. Yeah. Um, so it was. It was just too big of a leap for me in the beginning to to do that all at once. And so mm-hmm. just like slowly took a look at what I was eating and made a goal for where I wanted to end up. Mm-hmm. And uh, talked to my husband about goals for eating more ethically and sustainably. And then over the years, every time we like redid our budget, or every time we moved, and every time one of us got like a pay increase that, you know, we've been blessed to get, we've just made room for higher quality. So just over time, just intentionally trying to get food from uh, better places. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I, I think we, I think this conversation was you with you, Mary, like this is a little while ago. Cause I was, when I was teaching 
and just talking about like, yeah, when I get a pay increase, mm-hmm. I'm going to put that money towards my food budget and increase and, you know, start buying like more organic produce and higher qualities mm-hmm. of meat. And that's what I did. And it's like, you know, it does take some commitment. Um, cause you know, like when you get a, when you get a, uh, a pay raise, you're like, yeah, what am I going to do with this money? And, of course, you probably want to go like, oh, I'm going to get a, a new outfit or maybe buy a new car or something. So it does take some sacrifice. And, mm-hmm. um, but you know, for me, it was what I wanted and that's where I wanted to spend my money and I wanted to vote with yeah. my dollar. So it was definitely worth it for me. And I have, you know, of course, no regrets about, about it, but I just remember like, okay, yeah, my next pay, mm-hmm. my next pay increase, I'm going to put that money towards my food budget and I'm going to get, you know, better quality food. So yeah, it's definitely something that to, you know, think about. Mm-hmm. And I think that conversation was, do I want to say that 10 years ago or so? I, I yeah, I want to say maybe 10 years ago. It was a while ago. Cause I mean, yeah, I was teaching and mm-hmm. it was probably the beginning of my teaching career. Cause I probably yeah. hadn't gotten a pay increase yet. <laughs> Remember, you know, I do remember having that conversation like, yeah, when I get paid more, I'm totally uh-huh. going to buy higher quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny. But, you know, like small, small goals like that, you know, and I've just kept in the mind over time. And I know you have as well, you know, just like slowly over time mm-hmm. doing better and better. You know, there's nothing, yeah. with, there's nothing wrong with being where you are now and just, you know, making little tweaks to things if it's something that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to go to you know, to level five whole foods. It's like, you know, just little tweaks here and there to, to be a part of the, of the process. Definitely. Definitely. Um, and then something that I figured out after a while is, and I didn't really think about it in the beginning when it came to finances, but as I, like, as I made room for better quality foods and I was eating better, um, like, One, I was, I lost weight, so I didn't need to eat as much. And then also, um, I wasn't snacking as much. And so I ended up, I think, you know, I I spend a little bit more money on food now than I did, but it's not that much more because I'm not, I'm not buying a bunch of crap. You know, I Mm -hmm. processed foods, um, a while ago and I cut out snacks recently, which has made me feel really good. And so instead of buying those things, it just, you know, goes to, to better quality food. So I don't spend that much more than I, than I used to, because you think about all of the money. Like if you look in your grocery (laughs) cart on a regular day and you look at like the amount of vegetables and meats you have, and then look at everything else that's in there, you know, like juice and snacks, cereal, like all of that other stuff. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah. Our our grocery cart is, is a lot more sparse, I guess you could call it. Like there's there's not as many different types of things. Um, So it's actually money. Ultimately in the beginning, it really feels like a big hit money wise, but ultimately it doesn't end up being um, as much of an issue. Yeah. And kind of like go through the process. Um, But you know, that being said, like it, it can feel really difficult that leap. And so, you know, just, just making small tweaks. And there's so many experts on being vegan, vegetarian, omnivore. You know, the I think the takeaway for this whole episode, this podcast, is not, I don't think really whether you should or shouldn't eat meat. Um, 
but really just making sure that you're doing so with intention. So making sure you're asking questions and really answering them for yourself, taking that time to, you know, really figure out why or why not you are eating meat. Um, so last episode, Keith and I were talking about like whether or not I should try out the vegetarian lifestyle. <laughs> And after all of this research, I don't really like my original reason why I wanted to try out vegetarian. So most of the arguments I hear for going vegan or vegetarian are for moral and ethical reasons. I gave that list above, like reducing, um, you know, reducing disease risk, cancer risk, um, um, you know, having more energy, being compassionate towards animals you know, all of those reasons, um, but nothing in the research seems to point to going vegetarian as being the best and only way to do so. Um, farming sustainably, purchasing high quality, sustainably raised vegetables from local farms, purchasing meat from local farms that have a focus on animal welfare seem to me, honestly, to be a better way of doing so. Um, so I've really begun to question if I need as much meat as I have been eating, right? Because that was that was part of it. Like, do I need as much? Cause I don't want to be selfish about it. Right. I don't want to, mm-hmm. that's why I've moved away from the bacon memes is because I almost feel like, like, why do I need to eat so much bacon? <laughs> like, is that really, is that really what I need? You know, like how many pigs, cause this is what happens, right? We start talking about bacon. Like everybody starts wanting bacon. And then what happens is the conventional farms are like, Oh, bacon's the new thing. And that gives them reason to create, tons more conventional pig farms mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to be a part of that I right. want to eat bacon just because it tastes good mm-hmm. I want to eat bacon because it's good for me and um, you know I know it's like <laughs> good good for everyone you know not just selfishly for me um, and so I want to eat like the least amount of meat that I need but I you know I, I still want to I want to support farms that raise animals ethically and sustainably as a long-term goal. And so like giving my money to those farms and the local farmers, I think is a better way to spend my, my dollars than to, you know, look at just trying to look at what I need to do to replace the meat intake in my life, like eating a lot more quinoa, finding grains, um, eating a lot more vegetables and really making it complicated versus just spending my dollars in a farm that is going to, you know, treat the animals well and be a part of a bigger system of, um, you know, writing the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So if I went vegetarian, I just don't know what the purpose would be other than for fun. <laughs> right. Just to see like experimental. Yeah. I know. No. And that's, I mean, yeah. And I think you bring up a, you know, a, a great point as far as, you know, why are you going vegetarian? What would be the purpose of it? And I think after, I mean, I'm hoping after this episode that our listeners have gotten a lot of information and maybe um, like debunked some myths about um, farming and that there are different ways of farming and that you can vote with your dollar and you can do your research and find what farms, you know, produce ethically raised, hormone-free, antibiotic-free um, um, animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, there's so many good questions. I think that is the most important thing, that 
conventionally raised, conventionally <laughs> raised meat is it's not the only answer. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. So when thinking about, you know, going vegetarian or, you know, eating meat, keeping an ethical omnivore um, option in your mind, you know, and, and it may or may not be something that you want to try, but just know that it is an option for mm-hmm. you. There is better quality, better, you know, better origins. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, instead of five tips today, we decided to give you five questions, five basic questions. And these are the questions, some of the questions that I went through when I was figuring out, do, do I want to try to eat vegetarian? You know, is that something that I want to do for my health? So the first question always, always, always is why are you eating meat in the first place? Like right now, is it about nutrition? Cause you know, you think it's best for you or is it more about like flavor? Cause he said, I know <laughs> it's tasty. It is tasty. Um, is it just a habit? You know, is that just what you're used to getting when you, when you eat? Is it like culturally something that, you know, you and your family have always eaten? Why are you, why are you eating meat right now? I think that's just a good question to answer anyway. Um, question number two, what kind of meat are you eating? So if you are eating meat, are you eating lean meats? Are you eating fatty meats? Are you going grass-fed? Are you eating kefo meats? Um, you know, do you include all animals? Are you talking pork, chicken, beef, goat, lamb, fish? Um, and then also something to think about, and this is, again, like a whole other episode, but you can go to the ethical omnivores, all of the resources, but are you eating product from the whole animal or just certain cuts? Mm, and are, are you eating the liver? That's a great question. Are you using the bones for your broth? You know, what what, what do you mm-hmm. want to eat and what, what are you eating right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, three, the third question is really like, where is your meat coming from? And I think this one, and, and I kind of want to add actually not just where is your meat coming from, but where is your, where is your veggies coming from? Because I think that's, um, it's an important question. Yeah. that's um, Like we just don't pay attention. We just go to the grocery store and we just take things from the shelf. And just <laughs> right? Conveniently. So easy. And in plastic for us. Yeah. And so, like, there is no connection to where any of it is coming from. Um, but it doesn't, it actually it doesn't take very long. Uh, we have the Google these days. And um, it was really easy to Google my grocery store and the farms that they get their meat from. You can also, I know you can always call the stores. You can call their customer service and you can ask them, you know, um, about the origin of, especially if it's their brand. Otherwise, you look up the brand itself. Mm, okay. And you can find out where it's coming from. But the store has to know where it's coming from. Um, and also, if you have a butcher at your store, of course, that's the person to talk to. Like, where is it coming from? And um, talk about the farm. It's a fun. They love to, by the way, butchers love to talk about meat. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Not enough people ask them about meat. So talk to your budget. They will love you. Um, Question number four is about animal welfare. Um, And so now that you know where your meat or your veggies are coming from, um, you know, how are the animals being treated while they're alive and how they're treated at slaughter? And that's kind of a a morose 
idea to think about, but truly, you know, does it matter to you if they are living a happy life or if they're, you know, being raised four inches from another animal, you know, just surrounded by other animals and being fed things that are not meant to be fed to them and disease ridden and, you know, standing in their own urine. Mm -hmm. Truly. Yeah. You know, I, it sucks to have to think about that, but Mm -hmm. like that is truly happening. Like that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. That is, that is just a fact for most of, most of the meat we eat. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, whether you choose to eat meat or not, if you're plant-based, you know whether or not you're contributing to the planet's well-being or taking away, you know, where are you getting your soy? Where are you getting your your plant products? Where is that all coming from? And is it contributing to this issue of, like, the bee population? And is it contributing to, um, you know, monocropping and the soil depletion? You know, what are, are you actually spending your dollars in a way that's being good for the planet or are you just, um, you know, are you giving money to big corporations who are, who don't really care? Right. (laughs) Right. No soil left in 20 years, as long as they're making a dollar. Mm -hmm. And then money, how much money are you willing to spend on higher quality food? And that's just a question that I think is important to know, like looking at your budget, are you willing to Mm -hmm. sacrifice some of the other foods on your grocery list? If you Mm can, um, you know, I shoot. I was looking at um, candy bars. You know, the, like right at the at the where you check out at the checkout counter. There is always it's like the last minute right purchases, like the candy bars, the gum, uh, like all of these little things that you could just really easily throw onto your onto the um, the conveyor belt. And like candy bars are more than a dollar. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Didn't know this. <laughs> Which doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Like right. Candy bar is just a dollar, but that's one snack, right? Mm-hmm. That's one should, I, like according to the nutrition label, probably should be more one snack. But truthfully, like a candy bar, you just throw that in. Yeah. And you do a whole bunch of those, you know, 5 to $10 on just this throwaway item that is not good for you. Right. You know, so many just grab these small items and throw them into our carts or throw them on the conveyor belt. And like, we'll, we'll spend the money on those things. But what if we didn't spend it on that? And we spent it on meat instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're not willing or you're one of those people, like I always used to laugh when they were like, well, if you want to save more money, just don't buy a latte every day. <laughs> right. Who are these people who have lattes every day? I don't know. I don't know. I it's not me. So like, I didn't have that like latte money to save up no no right so a lot of us are already on like a really strict budget right you know we're not we're not throwing our money away we're not throwing you know candy bars in the cart we're not you know we don't have a lot of wiggle room and so it's just that question that that i had a long time ago was just like what small tweaks can you make Mm -hmm. to like just change a little bit right now where it doesn't feel like a big hit. It just, it's a little bit of a trade um, and just kind of slowly stepping up your game. Mm-hmm. So just thinking money wise, like what are little ways where you can, you can switch it up and how much are you willing to spend to, to go for high, higher quality? Right. Yeah. Great. Well, those are, uh, those are some great questions to ask yourself. You know, if you're thinking of, 
um, going vegetarian or vegan or just, you know, mm-hmm. just, you know, to ask in general, as far as, you know, your meat consumption, you know, where's mm-hmm. your, where's your meat coming from and the origins yeah. and animal welfare and mm-hmm. how much money you're willing to spend on your, on your food. So great, great questions to kind of think, think about and mull over to help you make some decisions. Yeah. And, um, I know there was a, there was a lot of info, um, and I, there's just, there's no way to get into like the, like there's so much that goes into capo farms and, yeah. you know, like how our animals are raised and the different levels and like different quality, like there's just no way to go into all of that. So we're going to mm-hmm. share some resources. Mm-hmm. And then of course, if you're looking for more, you can always get in touch with us. You know, we'll try to, you know try to point you in the right direction because I think doing your own research is a really good idea. Yeah. I hope that this kind of, uh, motivates you to mm-hmm. kind of go out and do your own research because there's no way we can give you all the information you need in this mm-hmm. podcast. So, yeah. so yeah, I hope this gets you Googling and searching and investigating on your own and then you can make your own decisions. Yeah. yeah. All right. A lot of info. It's just a teaser, folks. You gotta teaser. Find out more. Teaser. You, find out your own. you can come ask us, of course. We love it. Yeah. So that's all we got sure. for you today. Aww. Thanks for being awesome. As always, listening in. We love you all. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to know more, of course, about like dealing with stress without binging with alcohol or food, um, just eating better, you can contact either of us. Um, contact me mary at facebook at mary preston lmft and at instagram at mary elise preston or on my website at mary or kisa at instagram at clean living underscore dirty world or facebook at kisa amaro health coach mm-hmm. and then her new website kisa amaro.com yeah. uh, like leave us any questions or comments tell me if i'm wrong like tell me if i should if i should be a vegetarian if you're like, listen, totally wrong. You mm-hmm. forgot about this. We want to know. I want to know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I want to know why. I'm always looking for new information. I want to eat the best way possible. Uh, for I sure. Best for me, my mental health, my physical health. I, I think we, we both do. So if you have information mm-hmm. for us, let us know. And then, of course, any questions or comments, we, we, we thrive on them. We want you to, to contact us. Come find us. All right. All right, Kesa, that's it. Okay. Bye, friends.